Trump loses another key member of his defense team, especially about Mar-a-Lago. First, it was Evan Corcoran. Now, Tim Parlator, his lead lawyer, is, wait for it, no more. What does all this infighting on the Trump legal team mean for Trump and more importantly for Jack Smith and justice? Like client, like lawyer, Trump longtime attorney and bumbling fixer Rudy Giuliani used to be America's mayor. But a new suit filed under oath by a former female longtime employee claims that Giuliani is a serial predator, groomer, sex abuser, racist and anti-Semite. And and he and she was forced into a sex relationship. But that's not even the bombshell. Plaintiff Noelle Dumphy swears under oath in her suit that she may have incriminating texts involving Fox News and the Trumps, attention Smartmatic, and that Giuliani confessed to her that he was running a presidential pardons for sale scheme for $2 million of pop to be split with Trump, attention Jack Smith. Finally, it looks like former first daughter Ivanka Trump and disgraced and recently jailed Trump CFO Alan Weisselberg are in the New York Attorney General's crosshairs. They had until Monday to file sworn affidavits about why emails and documents are still missing in the New York Attorney General $250 million fraud suit. Did they comply or are they in contempt again? Will Alan Weisselberg give a deposition now that he's out of jail? All this on this week's edition of the Midweek Legal AF, only on the Midas Touch Network, with your regular co-anchors, Michael Popak and Karen Friedman Agnifilo. Karen, we're in the same time zone. We're together. It's just you and me and all of our listeners and followers. I'm so glad to see you. It's good to be back. It's great to be back. <laughs> yes, I agree. We're all we're learning where all the mute, mute buttons are and, and all of that. <laughs> Let's jump right in. Everybody's Everybody loves the show, I think, and we, we, we hit the ground running like right away. You know, we don't, we don't sit around and talk about, you know, although I think your trip was great and I want to talk about it offline, but we don't talk about those kind of things. We get right into it. Tim Parlator, who you, me, and Ben just last week when we were on, you know, on assignment outside of the country in different places, I think Ben was in New York, we talked about Tim Parlator. For those that, that don't know, Trump has had a reasonably stable group of lawyers for at least a year uh, for for many of his things involving Mar-a-Lago and Jim Trusty, who used to work with Jack Smith in the U.S. in the uh, uh, Department of Justice back in the day. Tim Parlator um, is also one of his lawyers. Evan Corcoran for a long time for all things Mar-a-Lago. And then one by one, everybody started departing. Evan Corcoran testifies before the grand jury, stripped of all attorney-client privilege, and then he's got to go because he's probably a target of Jack Smith's Mar-a-Lago investigation for all the potential lies that he told to the Justice Department, the FBI, about the documents. Steps in Tim Parlator. Tim Parlator, just last week or the last two weeks, sent a letter on his firm's letterhead, Tim Parlator Law Firm, to the House Intelligence Committee telling them, basically, this is the story that they're setting up for Mar-a-Lago. They were, it's like, it's like a homeowner who leaves a house and is rushed to leave and just overpacks, throws too many things in the boxes. It was, it was helter-skelter and then, and it was a mistake and it was, it was innocent. And, and what's all, what's all the kerfuffle? What's the problem? Except a couple of days later, Donald Trump went on CNN. I love that town hall now, went on CNN and said that it wasn't a mistake and it wasn't a rush to pack his boxes and that he knew exactly what 
what was in those boxes and he purposely took them and he had the right to take them and show them to other people and uh, and show off his top secret mementos that he took with him out out the door, completely blowing a hole in what I guess was a working attempt at having a defense in the case now that he now that Trump admits to the crime. And within a week, Tim Parlator said, listen, this is my artist rendering. I've had enough and I'm heading out the door. Now, of course, out the door for anything in Trump world means let me bash the Justice Department. Let me say that their investigation is corrupt um, and all of that. Now, Tim Parlator had a very interesting thing happen in December. He went into the grand jury but he still had his, his attorney client privilege that wasn't stripped away yet by Jack Smith. And he testified, then he came out all a lot of bravado and said, oh, I just gave it to the grand jury. I told them there's no obstruction. We did everything right. And, and, uh, and then the, the government tried to get me to waive my attorney client privilege and I wouldn't do that. That Tim Parlator. I wanna hear from Karen, the prosecutor, two things. And then you take it from there. One is we keep saying we're on the two, three, one yard line of this football field of Mar-a-Lago prosecution with Evan Corcoran having gone in and we already heard from Mike Pence and now we got Tim Parlator on the way out. Where do you think we are? Is the indictment coming and if so, when? And what do you think it means, if anything, that Tim Parlator quit today the Trump Mar-a-Lago defense team? Look, you know, the only defense in this case, I think, potentially, is the one Parlator was putting forth, which is it was an accident. We packed up boxes and things got caught in there. Look, it happened to Joe Biden. It happened to Mike Pence. It happened to, you know, everybody does it, right? It's everybody packs it up and 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 didn't realize that these documents were in the boxes that they packed up. And, and so that's really the only potential defense he has there. I still think that wouldn't necessarily necessarily fly in the end because there was so much back and forth between uh, between um, the National Archives requesting certain documents and Trump through his lawyers about uh, about giving things the things they knew existed and had not received and I think there's a potential obstruction charge there as a result but and so the only real defense, though, to me is there's an accident. But I think really what Trump is doing is he's saying, no, I don't want that to be the defense because that's a really tough, you, the, the accident, it was an accident defense, doesn't fly with the obstruction charge, right? Because it's it's one thing to have the stuff and not realize it. But once it, once you realize it and you you lie and, and you lie to people who are asking for it back, then you have the potential obstruction charge. And I think the reason Trump is going going with this other defense now, the I could take it, it's mine, I could do what I want with it. It's because then that's the only way to fight back any charge of obstruction that, because really, if it, if it really is his, which it's not, then he could, that you know, then there's, there's no case there. They don't have a right to it. So I think, you know, it looks to me like Parlator just said, you know, I'm out like this is, and, and I think that happens with lawyers. I'm sure it's happened to you, Popak, where you have a, a client who wants you to do something different than your better judgment. And at the end of the day, what you say to the client is then, you know, I'm not your lawyer. Like you're either, you either want me to, you know, give you my advice or you don't want my advice and you want to do your own thing because if you want to do your own thing, you know, then you should, 
I'm not just a mouthpiece. I'm not just a puppet. So that's what it looks like to me. I agree with you that that's probably why he he resigned today. And and just to answer your your first question of where are we? You know, look at this point, your guess is as good as mine. You know, I, I've been fairly loudly saying lately that it's time to bring this case that you can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good at a certain point because of the unique situation that we are in, meaning that the 2024 primaries are right around the corner and Trump looks like he's going to be the candidate. At a certain point, just by their own Department of Justice policy, they're not going to be able to bring a case because it could impact an election and their own policy says you can't do that. So, you know, they got to, they got to do it. And you, you have to make a choice. You know, we've discussed this before that, that um, I think it was even last week where we talked about how, you know, Alvin Bragg could have waited until he had everything, you know, the, he could have waited until he had um, the case that he brought involving Stormy Daniels and waited until he could um, bring the other case, you know, the the asset valuation case, the one where where um, the two prosecutors noisily resigned, and it's the companion to the Tish James $250 million civil suit. But, you know, prosecutors know that you can't always necessarily wrap everything in a bow and get it all perfect. Sometimes you gotta like, you got a case, you make it, you bring it. You know, another example of that I think is, is, um, you know, where Eastern District brought a case against George Santos. You know, there's only, what, 13 different charges in that, I think, something like that, a little more than a dozen. His life, I mean, when they, I think they're going to supersede that 10 times over. His life is a giant lie. You're going to have a 100-count indictment when you're done with him. But at a certain point, you just got to bring the case, right? You have to. You've got to bring the case, and you've got to start it because, you know, that sometimes it's it's important. You know, the, the rule of law is important and upholding the rule of law, and, and you know, justice is important. And so, so I think Jack Smith has a case. It's ready to go. You know, maybe he's in the process of getting um, getting the approval or, you know, whatever he has to get from Merrick Garland. But I, I think we could see it any minute now. And and frankly, we should, because if we don't, it's going to be too late. Yeah. So a couple of things, and we've got some breaking news that we'll do right now, right on this very issue. To, to kind of prove your point, um, Karen, uh, we've got a, let's start with the Truth Social posting by Trump in which he doubles down on his, I'm allowed to take it to avoid obstruction, which is completely inconsistent with what his own lawyer, the now departed Tim Parlator, sent in to Congress in a public letter. So we've got that. The second bit, bit of breaking news is that CNN is reporting that the National Archives, which is at the heart, of course, as a primary actor in everything Mar-a-Lago, is set to hand over to special counsel Jack Smith at least 16 records showing that Trump and his closest presidential advisors were instructed about how to correctly declassify uh, documents and what that declassification process would look like, which goes to notice, willful intent, mens rea, and criminal mind. And so that's going to end up in Jack Smith. It's hard to believe he didn't have that already, but the reporting is he's getting it. He's getting it right now. And so then we don't freak everybody out. The 60-day rule that, that Karen touched on is that within 60 days of an election, the Department of Justice will back off of their ongoing investigation, not drop it, just put a pin in it, and pick up with it after the election. We're not in that box yet because um, that election is more than, of course, 60 days. And we're more than, you know, if, if, the, the, uh, if we're midterm season, 
is a uh, uh, sorry a uh, primary season is 2024 you know we got seven or eight months but we got seven or eight months let's, let's get it off the ground we'll never look of all the things that he's going to be indicted for donald trump and those around him all his cronies around him we now know he's not going to get convicted of these things in time for the election but he will be hopefully indicted and charged whether it's fawny willis or it's jack smith let me just disabuse anybody if people haven't been following the calendar they're not going to be able to cram an indictment and a trial in before the election so he's going to be at at worst and in a multiply indicted candidate at the federal and double state level before. And if that doesn't influence people's decision-making on who to vote for, then, you know, then, then shame on them. Um, I think it does. I think not that we shouldn't worry, we should always worry. And, you know, we have a candidate that we like a lot, but has his own issues with, with the general electorate. But in terms of this one, if people, my view, Michael Popak's view, he got seven million less votes than than uh, Joe Biden last time. He's he's. If anybody thinks he's going to do better with women, independents, um, and others who are sitting on the fence that he did last time, he'll do the same with the MAGA. He'll do the same with the, with the with the you know Kool Aid drinking right wing Trumpers who whose entire emotional and political lives are tied to Donald Trump. But but the rest of thinking America and those who are really independent and women after Dobbs and him doubling down recently on on the Dobbs decision, I, I just don't see how he possibly wins national office. Just I don't know. And if the only thing that's holding Joe Biden back is his age, I think that rock, paper, scissor overcomes, you know, multiply indicted uh, Donald Trump. But that's but that's me. Let me let me throw one thing out at you, um, Karen, uh, and then, we, then we'll move on to the next segment. Parlator has also been um, very, very vocal about critiquing others in the league on the legal team for Donald Trump. So it wasn't just us going after Joe Tacopino, or as I like to call him, the the coloring book man. It always looks like he's he's doodling in a coloring book at the council table. Tim Parlator was asked about Joe Tacopino, and he's been quite public, probably more so than Donald Trump would like, in saying that uh, he he did not think that Joe Tacopina covered himself is covering himself with any glory in the Manhattan DA's thirty four count uh, indictment related to Stormy Daniels and all of those issues, and I'm sure he didn't think that that Joe Tacopina did very well in trying to defend Donald Trump if that's what that was in the E. Jean Carroll case. Um, I don't think anybody could. So, look, you know, when when Trump gets falls out of love with his lawyers, they either get fired or banished. He fell in love with Chris Keis, paid $3 million through a Save America PAC. Chris Keis showed up for much fanfare. He did something wrong, probably telling the truth in court one day, and Trump banished him to another state. You know, Tim Parlator going after somebody that apparently Joe uh, Donald Trump likes a lot for whatever reason, Joe Tacopina, looks like it banished him. He likes Alina Haba. He, he holds closely, uh, and you can fill in the jokes there. He holds closely the people that he's like enamored with um, for whatever reason. And he cuts loose, you know, reasonably competent lawyers that could probably help him in some way. And I think that's great for Jack Smith, because I'll tell you what, what Jack Smith legal team and the Trump legal team do not have in common is talent, continuity, focus, devotion to cause. That's the Department of Justice. That's Jack Smith's special counsel team that he's assembled. 
that's what is, you know, they are just sawing and cutting wood, cutting lumber every day, stacking it up and coming back and doing it again. And that's not what Donald Trump has. And he's got disarray. He's got inconsistent position taking. He's got lawyers backbiting on his own group. This is not what proper criminal defense is made of. And that's a good thing. Karen, anything else on that point? We'll, or we'll move on. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I agree with you about the lawyers and he, he really likes, I think because his, one of, one of Trump's major strategies is to disrupt. He doesn't want to have a real trial on the merits. He wants to try to blow up the case and somehow get people to do things that'll blow up the case, delay the case, you know, do his bidding. So it's, it's a way of, uh, of just, not having it be seen on the merits, because once that happens, he'll be found liable like he was in the E. Jean Carroll case. So, you know, it's, it's, I think you're right about that. I think uh, Jim Parlator is um, a more serious lawyer than some of the lawyers that, that have been on his case, but he's gone of, you know, the way that many of the lawyers have gone. So, you know, to be continued. But Jack Smith, who's who, as everyone knows, I used to work with, and I I know him. He's extraordinary. He's excellent. He's a case maker. He knows what he's doing, and he is clearly in the final stages of this. So I'm. We could see an indictment. I think uh, any you know any time, and hopefully it'll be quite soon. And hopefully in time for a midweek edition of Legal AF and the next segment, we're going to talk, Karen and I are going to talk about Rudy Giuliani and the bombshell that was buried inside of uh, Noel Dumphy's sworn under oath complaint filed in New York State Supreme Court just a day or so ago. We're going to cover all that, what it means for, for Rudy, what it means for Trump, what it means for Fox after a word from our sponsor. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. My family and I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted better gut health, boosted energy, immune system support, and wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I take AG1 in the morning before starting my day, and it makes me feel unstoppable and ready to take on anything. I'm doing something good for my body, giving my body the nutrition it craves and covering my nutritional basis. I've tried a ton of different supplements out there, but this is different, and the ingredients are super high quality. Very quickly after using AG1, I noticed that it improved my energy and made me feel great. AG1 makes it easier for you to take the highest quality supplements, period. Just one daily serving covers my day's nutritional basis and supports my long-term gut health with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. It's one scoop of powder mixed with water once a day. AG1 is a really seamless and easy daily habit to maintain. I'm asked all the time about the one thing I'd do to take care of my health if I could only pick one. And this is it. AG1 by Athletic Greens. I can't think of another daily routine that pays off as well as AG1, which is why I trust the product so much. If you're looking for a simpler, cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash legalaf. That's athleticgreens.com slash legalaf. Check it out. 
<laughs> you caught everybody caught me looking at myself. <laughs> For those that watch us on YouTube only on the Midas Touch Network. Oh, I, it's time for Rudy. God, you know, just as a personal aside, maybe I shouldn't mention this. All right, well, I <laughs> I occasionally smoke a cigar for those that, and I know I'm going to get a whole bunch of tweets and and other so commentary about it. But you know, it's like uh, once a month. But I I'm a member of a of a cigar place in Manhattan who occasionally is visited by one Rudy Giuliani. So I have rubbed elbows with him, but I've never spoken to him at, at this place. But another member of the club is also um, Al Sharpton. So talk about tobacco makes strange bedfellows. Those two guys are often in the same place at the same time, and they're not the same person. Let's talk about Rudy, because he's in a whole lot of hot water if everything Noel Dunphy, his longtime former business development manager, if that's what he called her, for the uh, law firm of his, his lobby law firm, is telling the truth, and I have no reason to believe that she's not. She signed a verified pleading under penalty of perjury that it was, 70 pages, 244 paragraphs, sex, lies, and audio tapes. It, it, this this complaint has it all. She's been, she claims she's been recording Rudy Giuliani for years. She has all of his text messages, which are, here are some right now that have been, re, thank you, Salty, that have been reproduced by the, uh, by the complaint itself. And, you know, it's funny, Karen, when I heard about this story, I thought, this is like right out of Borat, when in the second Borat, he he thinks, oh, here it is. This is from the complaint. This is not Salty going to get a clip from Borat. Noel put this clip into this picture still, into the complaint, to say this is exactly what he did to her. Now, this is a scene where in Borat, um, Giuliani, not in on the joke, doesn't know there's a camera, thinks he's going into the bedroom with somebody who identifies as a reporter. It's really Borat's daughter in the movie and starts to, well, you can see what he's doing in the picture with his hand down his pants. She says that's that's common. She also says he forced her to wear nothing at all at work, nude, wear a bikini with the American flag on it while she worked for him. But that's not even the bombshell. Karen, tell her, I did a hot take on it, but tell everybody, Buried on paragraphs 96 and 132, I believe. Uh, my takeaway is that is the lead. And talk about burying the lead inside of your complaint. What you pick up from those two paragraphs and anything else that you read that 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 made that was revolting and disgusting. Yeah. So what you're referring to is that basically Giuliani was, according to um, Ms. Dumphy, Giuliani was selling pardons for $2 million and he and Trump would split the money. So it was very interesting to see that in there. It's not the first time we've heard about about this and about him doing this, but I think it's, he certainly, it's clear, told her and said this to her. Whether that will be borne out by the evidence in the matter, we'll see. But it's clear that that's at least what he was saying to her at the time. Um, so we'll see, you know, like I said, this is, it's, it's interesting because he was a lobbyist and, you know, th there are plenty of people who bring uh, bring people to, you know, they lobby the the pardon, the people who can give pardons, whether it's the governor in a state or the president, you know, suggestions about people who should be pardoned. And then they 
they get paid sometimes to put together these packets about the individual to say what it is and why it is that they should be pardoned. And so when it crosses the line into criminal activity is, is, is definitely something, you know, that is murky because it's not inappropriate, for example, say a lawyer, you know, Giuliani was a lawyer, um, was a lawyer, you know, to, to work to try to pardon people and pardon his clients. What's criminal, though, is that he's selling them and splitting the money with Trump. If that turns out to be the case, then that's, you know, that's that's bribery uh, on the part of, of Giuliani. And, and, and obviously, Trump as well would be receiving bribes and, and so I, I think that's if if that it has any merit to it actually happen happening, I think they're both in in deep trouble. That would be extremely extremely troubling. Um, you know, look, this lawsuit was was really sad. I felt sorry for her, you know, because it's not just that she was working for him and he was, you know, forcing her to have sex with him, and you know, it's just the story is is one of. Uh, an age-old power dynamic story where a powerful man takes advantage of a woman who is, you know, doesn't have a lot of options. And, and you know, she's a very successful woman. She went to an Ivy League school. She worked for many decades as a very successful business person. But she was the victim of domestic violence with her ex, and she had a court case involving him, and she couldn't afford, she didn't have a lawyer. And she couldn't afford the kind of lawyer uh, that she needed. And he, you know, he came with a lot of cachet. He used to be America's mayor. He's powerful. You know, he's Trump's personal lawyer. And, and he said, come work for me. I'll pay you a million dollars. That's, you know, that's money that's hard to refuse. And said to her, you know, and I'll represent you in your uh, domestic violence case, in your um in your abusive ex-husband case for free. And, you know, that's the kind of offer that is when you're vulnerable emotionally, the way she was because of her situation with her ex and involved in this, this, this legal case. And she's working for someone like Giuliani, who at the time was much more, you know, the power dynamic is, 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 you know, he's, he's much more powerful than she it's really tricky. And he starts almost immediately, you know, with the classic sexual harassment, you know, and then turns into sexual assault, where he re required her to perform sex acts in order for him to keep representing her civilly and doing her job. And, you know, and, and when you're, you know, and she, she explained, I think that she was also her, her mind was was vulnerable because of the state she was in and she wasn't you know thinking clearly about what her options were and she felt trapped and so it's just it's just really sad like he kept stringing her along he didn't pay her he said you know he said i can't pay you on the books because you know i'm in the middle of some huge divorce and i want to hide money from my you know soon to be ex-wife i don't want her to know and you know so i'll pay you you know i'll pay you you know, I'll, I'll pay you in the future. So he he didn't pay her what he owed her. He would give her drips and drabs of cash here and there, but he didn't pay her what he owed her. So it's wage theft allegations as well. And, you know, a lot of this was on tape because he 
gave her permission to record. And I think it was because they were going to write a book or he wanted to write a book. Sometimes he would press the record button himself on her phone. So a lot of what he said was was at his own, um, I mean, he knew he was being recorded. It didn't seem like it was surreptitious. And she, they indicated in there in the complaint when uh, certain statements were recorded. You know, interestingly too, she said some pretty, you know, she said he was he's an alcohol he's a functioning alcoholic that he drank constantly morning noon and night and she had to provide him with alcohol she said he took viagra constantly um and you know he at one point you know just would say things that were sexist and racist and anti-semitic and that's all recorded she said so you know it was very traumatizing and very difficult you know for her and it read like that to me it read like it was a really um you know, like she was really traumatized by by what he did, you know, and she said he would obsessively call her sometimes 50 times a day. He was really into BDSM, you know, the the and and like violent language and and he like he was obsessed with the woman on billions who, you know, was into BDSM and would wear like black leather and you know, just stuff like that. And, you know, this is a woman who's trying to have a job, you know, and have some lawyer represent her in, you know, in a case that she has. And, you know, he takes advantage of her. So I don't know. It, the the lawsuit was just really um, you know, like I said, read like I I, I think it's absolutely happened. It read like you know, very precise language with proof in addition to being under oath. And I think that, you know, he's he's in big trouble when it comes to this. You know, again, it's just civil, um, but I think it, you know, it definitely, uh, it'll be very interesting to see what, uh, as a result of this lawsuit, um, whether she gets subpoenaed by Jack Smith to, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, or or by Fox because she purposely put a little invitation for Fox and well, for, or I should say it's for Smartmatic against Fox in their defamation case, because she said that Rudy Giuliani didn't have her sign a confidentiality agreement or a non-disclosure agreement. She's not a lawyer, so there's no attorney, attorney, client relationship privilege issues. And she said she was privy. And I assume this also means she has copies of emails and texts involving Rupert Murdoch, Donald Trump, Don Jr., Ivanka, Eric, Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity, uh, Kellyanne Conway, and for, and for I'm not making this up. And for good measure, uh, Bob Costello. Bob Costello, he just keeps popping up like a bad penny. Bob Costello testified against Michael Cohen in the Manhattan DA's grand jury. Um, he said he represented Michael Cohen at one time, and he popped up a couple of weeks ago when the suit sort of was out there. I think she originally filed it on her own without a lawyer, and and Costello said. I'm the lawyer for Giuliani. We've read this and it's completely nonsense. And that's why there's no lawyer involved. And that's why she couldn't find a lawyer because it's all defamatory and untrue. Then she found a really good law firm and she signed it under oath and she refiled it. So, and she says she has texts and emails involving that lawyer, Bob Costello. So we're going to follow this very, very closely. There's um, one, one other. The, yeah. yeah. Before you move on to the next sure. subject, because I can tell you that's what you're doing because I've been with you now long I enough. I was going to say know. one more thing, but no, I get you. Uh, um, the one, the one thing that really bothered me about this complaint also is I couldn't help but think Giuliani's going to love it. He's going to love this complaint. To him, it will read like he's, you know, how old is he? Like he's, old. you know, old, <laughs> and he's going to be like, you know, it's the fact that he has this young hot woman, you know, mm -hmm. blowing him every day and having sex with him and all the things, you know. Salty. <laughs> 
What? <laughs> Nothing. No, it's an adult channel. We're fine. I mean, I don't know. It's just, but it's like, I just couldn't help it. Like think he's going to read this and think this is, you know, he's going to yeah. feel all like, he's disgusting. He's because disgusting. He's um, disgusting. I, I'll tell you one, one last thing uh, on this one or one last thing for me. Although he, yeah, go on. No, is that I, and I love the fact in this 25 count suit, they not only get him for gender violence, New York law, uh, sexual abuse, sexual battery, sexual assault, and all the things that relate to sex, um, hostile work environment, and all of that. But for good measure, uh, a violation of uh, New York's wage and hour law, because she was underpaid, and yeah. sometimes worked off the books, it wasn't paid, that gives them attorney's fees and costs in a way that the other ones do doesn't. And they nailed him even, I guess this is when he still had his law license because it's suspended in the state of New York. But she says she also went to him for counseling, as you said earlier, Karen, for a case of hers. And he let the statute of limitations run, breaching his fiduciary duties to her, causing her more damage. So she threw the kitchen, the kitchen sink and everything else she had at him, which is what you're supposed to do if you're bringing a suit of this type. And we, and I'm ready, we should all be ready managing expectations for the playbook to be run against her. The first part of it Karen touched on, which is, look at me, I'm an old ram and I got this young whatever, and which is disgusting. The second is um, she's unstable. She had, a like, like Karen said earlier, she had a prior one like this. She sued somebody else for money in the past and this and that. Like, who cares? I mean, if she's been victimized by more than one person in her life, that doesn't mean the second one gets a free pass. You know, and as Karen, as you accurately described, Karen, that made her vulnerable. Whatever happened to her in her past, and and who preys on vulnerable women? Somebody like Rudy Giuliani, who, predators. Who, He's a who, predator. Who, predators who said, who told her, according to the suit, "I've wanted you since the day I interviewed you." Who, who, knowing anything about Rudy Giuliani in the last ten years, last five years, last two years? doubts at that. That's what he said. And if they doubt it, she's got the tape recordings and the text messages to, to back it up. So look, that's Rudy Giuliani. And what's the nestled inside of that lawsuit is some interesting stuff that we're going to have to see what the prosecutors do with it. Um, yeah, you know, and, I was going to say the prosecutor, yeah. the other prosecutor, the Manhattan DA's office, they could look at this. They could be looking at this or they could look at this. And in fact, they should. You know, when I was there, we created something called the work-related uh, sexual violence unit because it was to acknowledge the power dynamic in work-related situations, the the power dynamic between someone who's your boss and controls your salary and controls your paycheck and controls everything and how, you know, and how and how they use that against you. So I wouldn't be surprised if if the Manhattan DA's office doesn't at least look at this and, and talk to her. Because yeah, that's, that's a that's a great observation. You only hear that on the Midas Touch Network. Karen Freeman Agnifilo, former number two, ran operations at the Manhattan DA's office saying, hey, Manhattan DA's office, take a look at that complaint and mine it for possible prosecutions that you yourself can do. We're going we're gonna to cover a whole lot more, including Ivanka and the rest of the Trumps being in hot water again with Judge N'Goron in the New York State Supreme Court trial level court in the $250 million civil fraud case brought by the New York Attorney General, because almost a year to the day that they were found in contempt and fined $110,000 last May, I feel like we just play the old tapes from like last year, they're gonna do it again because they failed to produce emails 
and the judge isn't happy about it. We're going to talk about it in the next segment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Your pet's a member of the family. My Lily certainly is. Don't feed them like they're in the doghouse. Give them Gnome Gnome. Gnome Gnome delivers fresh dog food with every portion personalized to your dog's needs. So you can bring out their best. Gnome Gnome is made with real whole food you can see and recognize without any additives or fillers that contribute to bloating and low energy. That's because Gnome Gnome uses the latest science and insights to make real good food for your dogs. Their nutrient-packed recipes are crafted by board-certified veterinary nutritionists, made fresh and shipped free to your door. Gnome Gnome's already delivered over 40 million meals to good dogs like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. I love my dog so much and feel better giving her better nutrition. And my dog loves the food and other benefits they've seen. Plus, Gnome Gnome comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Gnome Gnome will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Gnome Gnome. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trygnome.com slash legalaf. Spell trynom.com slash legalaf for 50% off. Trynome.com slash legalaf. And we're back. <laughs> Karen, that was a quick one. Uh, let's talk about, we got two things I want you to, to catch us up on. Ivanka Trump, New York Attorney General, telling the court, where are the emails? Why are there no more Ivanka Trump emails between 2014 and 2017? Where'd they all go? There used to be thousands of them a month. Now there's down to like 10 a month. What happened to them? Why haven't they been produced? And where is the affidavits? I'll tell you, I don't know if you had a chance to check. I'll, I'll do it after you, you comment, Karen. I checked the docket just an hour ago about whether they met their deadline of the 15th of May to file affidavits sworn under penalty of perjury about those missing documents. And then we've got... Welcome home, Alan Weisselberg, and your five and a half month stint in Rikers Island because Manhattan DA's office, Karen's old office, put you there. Now that you're out, you're very popular. And one thing that you're going to do with, with your new lawyer that you just picked is you're going to give a deposition in the civil case against uh, Donald Trump under oath. And, you know, maybe you'll take the Fifth Amendment, Karen. You can comment on that. And maybe you won't. But you're going to be deposed because the judge just said you would. Karen, what do you think about what's going on there? What are the Trumps doing again in there in in screwing up in front of this judge? And what do you think is going to happen with Alan Weisselberg and the Fifth Amendment? Yeah, I think Ivanka is clearly we we've seen tried to distance herself from her family. You know, in this entire uh, in this entire proceeding, she hired her own lawyer instead of the lawyer with everybody else. You know, she's she's noticeably absent in places where she would have been seen before. And but I do think it's interesting that she is specifically being called out by the New York Attorney General for her failure to comply with the proceedings. You know, they they basically in April, um, the Attorney General wrote to. Uh, the judge, uh, Judge Angoran, saying that the defendants haven't handed over the necessary information and documents, you know, as part of the discovery process in a timely, transparent fashion. As you said, there was this unexplained drop off in emails for Ivanka between 2014 and 2017. So, for example, they they cite in there it went from like over a thousand emails per day for, per month. Sorry. Um, 
to, I think it was like 1,200 emails per month uh, to 299 emails per month. And then in 2016 to 37 emails per month. And, and in response, you know, and Goron set the Trump family deadline to hand over all these outstanding requested documents by May 15th, uh, or to, you know, to submit some kind of compliance affidavit that they complied with their legal observation. So what it seems to me is happening is there could be a legitimate reason why the emails are have tra you know trailed off if if it turns out that she no longer worked there or she stopped using email or something. But there it seems like the the attorney general's office thinks there's something else going on because you know they they insist that there must be something there or explain give an explanation why and they're just not doing it. So, um, what do you think, Popak, is going on? I don't. I don't know. They're getting. You know, the lawyers again. <laughs> look to the lawyers. I mean, Alina Haba has been the lawyer here. We know that her judgment is questionable. I mean, that's the number one thing you need in a lawyer besides talent is judgment, and her judgment has always been impaired. Um, and I think she just likes. She thinks there's mileage to be had. And they're willing to pay the hundred thousand or two hundred thousand or whatever the ultimate contempt fine is going to be for screwing around with Judge and Goron and trying to destabilize the proceedings. But because um, I checked today and there's nothing on the docket, and they missed their deadline. Um, I'm sure we'll see. Or, or, or I'll just one caveat: the clerk's office might be backed up in in posting to the docket, but I don't think so. And then, you know, you're going to see Letitia James move for sanctions and Judge Angoron saying, you know, I'm going to charge you $100,000 a day or $10,000 a day until you comply. But I don't know why, for instance, um, as you said, Ivanka has her own counsel now. She finally, in the last couple of months, and, and I had thought, talk about, as, as Ben likes to call it, a rake stepping. I thought she started to separate herself in a way that gave her some... Uh, ability to negotiate her own situation, her own deal with the New York Attorney General, because we reported on on Legal AF. We, we always we always say we have new people watching and listening today, but we have people that have been with us for two years or more, and this is cumulative education. Although I like to think it's it's episodic. You can you can tune in and you'll learn something new today. You don't have to know what we taught in prior Legal AF Academy, but um, we did talk about that. She got new counsel and she cut a deal to get out from under the financial monitor, a former federal judge, Barbara Jones, that was a, that was appointed and uh, by Judge Angoron over all things financial at tr the Trump organization during the pendency of the case to make sure that the money's in and the money's out all match and are appropriate and asset transfer doesn't happen. She got out from under that. She said, oh, I wasn't really there. I was really gone in 2017. I'm a mom living in Florida now. And the judge, uh, but because the New York Attorney General allowed it, let her out from under that monitoring requirement. And then we heard she got new lawyers. We're like, oh, new lawyers. And she, I, at one point, I did a hot take. I thought she was flipping. Although maybe she's flipping on the father. Um, maybe she's tired of being girlfriend, daughter, and and finally wants to pay back the old man. But now this would be the perfect moment for her lawyers, the new lawyers, to step forward and do something different than Alina Haba and crew, and and do what the judge said that they're supposed to do: turn over the documents. Now she may not be in control of those emails any longer. She's you know, when you leave, you know, you're talking about 10-year-old, five, six, seven-year-old emails. You know, when you leave, it's not like you're able to access your old email account if you've left the company. So a lot of that's still in the hands of the Trump organization. Yeah, and then so Alan Weisselberg, what do you think about Alan Weisselberg and him about 
what he can take the Fifth Amendment concerning and what he can't. He couldn't take it about the stuff that he's he was already given a deal for, right? Right, the, but it was, but don't forget he was given a deal for a very specific, right? You know, very specific charges involving very specific conduct on certain dates, et cetera. So anything that was not charged, unless the plea agreement says otherwise, and I just don't recall off the top of my head right now, um, if we ever saw the plea agreement, uh, for some reason, it's, it's, I don't think we did. I think there is a plea agreement, but I don't think we ever saw it. So whatever's in there is, is, is I think, free game because, you know, he's already pled guilty to it. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting. It'll be, he'll have to talk about other things unless he takes the fifth. I do think he's potentially still liable for, you know, I don't think he's off the hook completely with the Manhattan DA's office. Um, I think there's still other possible charges they could bring against him in, in another case, especially the case that um, involved the uh, the criminal companion matter to the $250 million suit. Um, the asset valuation case. So we'll see, you know, so here's the, here's the, I happen to pull up the Manhattan DA's own website and here's how they reported the plea deal. Weisselberg pled guilty to 15 charges contained in the indictment that he engaged in the scheme to defraud together with Trump corporation and Trump payroll, implicating them in the criminal charges. The court promised Weisselberg a sentence of five months in jail to be served in Rikers Island, five years probation, provided contingent on Weisselberg testify, testifying truthfully in the upcoming tr criminal trial of the Trump organization by providing truthful testimony as to the facts underlying his allocution and plea. He must make full repayment of taxes, penalties, and interest to New York City and New York State taxing authorities of almost $2 million. He shall abide by the conditions of, of his release, and he pled guilty to those 15 counts of false business records, also at the heart of the Stormy Daniels case, of course, criminal tax fraud, scheme to defraud, all the things about the monies that he was paid under the table related to tuition for his grandchildren, the rent on his apartment, the, the, the cars that he was given, um, all tax-free to him because it wasn't properly reported and falsified by the, the Trump organization. So that stuff... Is he's not going to be able to? He's not going to be able to take the fifth because he already got prosecuted for that and served his time. Now, what if she starts going into which she will? Let's talk about loan fraud. Let's talk about asset fraud, where you lied about the appraised value in order to secure a larger loan. You know, the heart of the New York Attorney General case. Let's talk about what you told Zurich Insurance and what Ivanka told in, uh, Zurich Insurance in order to secure a loan about the value of an asset, which is a made up number, not based on an independent appraisal. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about deflation of loan value in order to save on taxes. So if you're Alan Weisselberg's lawyer, Karen, what do you do when those questions come up? He hasn't been indicted for those and he hasn't been prosecuted and the Manhattan DA's office is still out there. What do you do? Well, don't forget, there's also potential federal charges, right? right? I mean, federal tax, you know, crimes and others. So he could still take and and, and there's no double jeopardy from if, if he's convicted in the state, there's no double jeopardy, meaning you can't be tried for the same thing twice, federal to state, only state to federal. So the feds could still bring a case, uh, even similar charges to this. So he's still facing potential federal exposure. Um, 
certainly he could he could assert that if he wanted to take the fifth. So he's going to so, take the walk down Fifth Avenue, you think? You know, I do think so. I don't I think he's still very close to the Trumps and I don't think he wants to do anything that helps any civil or criminal case unless he absolutely has to. He was squeezed pretty hard in the Manhattan DA's case because he was charged and he didn't have a choice. So well, in that yeah. case, yeah, go on. No, no, no. I'm just going to say, just why, why don't you remind everybody what happens in a civil case when a witness takes the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination? Yeah, well, if you are if you are civil if you are one of the civil uh, defendants in that case, uh, then you that can be used against you at the civil trial. You know, there's like a jury instruction that will say you can actually absolutely hold that against the person as uh, consciousness of of guilt. You know, and you can use it against them. Uh, in, you know, in in the civil proceeding, which is very different than a criminal proceeding, right? In the criminal proceeding, you can't factor that in. I think I think I haven't seen the uh, case caption in a while. I'm reasonably certain, subject to my research, that Al Weisberg is one of the 17 or 18 people that is a defendant in the New York Attorney General's case. So he's not just a witness. He's uh, he's a hair club member. He's, he's also a defendant in the case. So yes, if he takes the fifth, just like Donald Trump had taken the fifth originally, the, the jury, uh, exactly what Karen said, will be given that instruction. And um, it's it's used against him. It's, it's, it's as if effectively he admitted to whatever she's asked him about. So, you know, but that's what you do. I mean, there's a reason she wants it, uh, Letitia James, the New York Attorney General, um, for this very reason. He's he, but he's going to have to make his choice, and I'm sure his lawyer, whoever his new lawyer is, I didn't follow who that was. I knew I knew the old lawyer, but the new lawyer I didn't follow who he finally retained is probably going to tell him you got to take the fifth because there's too many prosecutors out there that that you know you'll be you'll be a pelt on their wall, and uh, you know don't worry about the civil side as much. You know I'm sure he's indemnified by the way for certain of these things, and if he's if he's hit, let's say a jury comes back, 250 million dollar judgment against all 17 of these people. You know, it'll probably be jointly and severally, meaning they can go after all or one of them to collect the money until they finally collect all the money. And, and you know where they're going to start? They're going to start the Trump organization, the Trump Trump himself, all of Trump's personal property, his planes, his his boats, his cars, his apartments, his you know every everything where he's got tangible and intangible assets. And then finally, they'll make their if they don't get the two fifty, they'll make their way they'll make their way down the chain to lowly. Um, Alan Weisselberg. So I think he'll, I agree with you. I think he takes the fifth. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think, yeah, no, just prosecutors, I think are um, hoping that he doesn't want to go back to jail. He had a taste of jail, right? He had a taste of of Rikers Island. And so I think, I think they're hoping he he's, he's ripe for cooperation or targeting because, you know, they hope he doesn't want to go back and maybe he'll give more. So, you know, so we'll see, we'll see where that goes. Uh, One more thing though, before we end the episode, um, Giuliani, going back to him, he was hit with another lawsuit this week, which uh, when I saw it, I thought, well, that looks familiar. I remember that case. Do you remember the case? Like, I think it was a year ago when, um, when he was in a like a grocery store in Staten Shop Island right. or Shoprite, Shop, yeah, in Shop Staten right. Island, and yeah, I was like, oh, that's familiar. I've seen that before. Where he he claimed uh, that he was hit by 
uh, somebody in the store, I think it was an employee. And he, you know, he, he claims that the guy, the guy hit him. He calls the cops. He has the cops arrest him. And, um, the guy spends the night in jail. And it turns out it was all made up. It was, he wasn't hit by the guy or punched or whatever he said. You know, I think he, he used some pretty strong language. Like it was felt like an explosion or I can't remember what exactly what he said, but it was like, you know, oh yeah. He said, he said he felt like he was shot. You know, that's how strong it was. You know, Mr. Mr. Vigorous that he's going to try to say with his, you know, rapey sexual prowess, disgusting. You know, he, he claims he was shot, you know, well, guess what? Guess what the video shows? The video shows you were tapped on the back, old man, you know, and that's it. And this is a false arrest. And so the guy was let go and he is now bringing a civil suit against him because you know, it's kind of outrageous. You lie. Thank God things are on video now. And thank God there's so many, so many things that can be proven on, on video. It's so ubiquitous because you can stop people like Rudy Giuliani who, who use their power to lie, their power and influence. That's just another example where the cops, you know, they show up It's Staten Island. He's Rudy Giuliani. Who's going to question him? He was the U.S. attorney for the Southern District. He was the mayor of New York City. You know, he was Trump's personal lawyer. It's, it's, it's using his power and influence again for bad. And just like he did for Noel Dumphy and just like he did in, in that case. And so eloquently put, I wish we could cover the Harry and Meghan paparazzi chase today through Manhattan. That's, That's so sad. It's sad. Um, it ended up at the 19th precinct today um, as they were literally being chased, for, they say, for two hours around Manhattan. But that's not our show. <laughs> uh, it's just sad that it happened as it's been reported. Uh, but we've reached the end of, of what is our show, which is sitting at the intersection of law and politics and reporting it to you, balls and strikes with hopefully a little bit of entertainment, but teaching you about the law and politically charged lawsuits as they happen, as we curate our stories each week. We do it on Wednesdays, Karen Friedman Ignifolo. We do it on Saturdays with Ben Mysalis. And um, support our sponsors. You, people always ask, how can you support the show? I'll give you many ways. Most of them are free. <laughs> One of them, watch the show uh, on YouTube. And if you're a podcast person only, listen to us on the podcast and vice versa. If you're a podcaster, go watch us on YouTube. I had somebody write me on social media and said, I never knew what you looked like until I went over to YouTube. And I, and I took that as a compliment. And then if you listen to us, if you watch us on YouTube, go watch, go listen to the podcast, vice versa. So we have merchandise. We're working to update our merchandise. Karen Freeman, the flow is taking the lead on that. But for right now, this is our merchandise and it's available to you, including coffee mugs and long sleeve t-shirts and these t-shirts here uh, at the Midas Touch store. You can see it right there. We also... Um, have ad sponsors. Why do we have ad sponsors? I know people are, why do we have ad sponsors? We have ad sponsors because it keeps the show coming to you uninterrupted and it gets people paid that help contribute to the show, not Karen and me, but other people. And so that's important. So we we like our sponsors, we curate our sponsors, and these are the ones that we like and we, we support and we like doing the ads. So please support what they do. And then you can subscribe to the Midas Touch Network on YouTube, that's free. Just hit plus and you've now subscribed and it'll keep you in the loop on all the hot takes that we do every week and all the shows that we do. And there's so many podcasts now, it's almost hard for me to keep track of all the Midas Touch produced podcasts, but there's so many of them and they're all like-minded. If you like what we're doing, you're gonna love what they're doing. Um, Karen, any other way they can support us? 
<laughs> well, you know, just listening and I, I, I what, what really kind of, what really helps me is all the positive remarks that people uh, that they put in the chats or when they comment on the videos or even on Twitter. It, it's helpful, you know, not just the positive ones, all of them, you know, criticisms, constructive criticisms, you know, that kind of stuff. I find it I find it helpful to know what people like and don't like and and how we can do better. And, and even if it's just thanking us for, you know, the time because, you know, we all put a lot of time into this and effort it, it kind of keeps you going you know because it is a lot of work and um, my favorite one last week when i went on to look we need more karen <laughs> <laughs> that was the headline on apple pod and i couldn't agree more we need we do need more wow. karen i'm so glad that you're my friend and my colleague and my podcast anchor and that's the end we're going to see everybody uh saturday i'll be on with ben micellis and next wednesday same time same channel with Karen Freeman and Good night, everybody. Shout out to the Midas Mighty and the Legal AFers. Mm -hmm.